see right now without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, Brooklyn. Hey, isn't he? what's going on everybody it's another tuesday night we're here for the big three hopefully everybody's doing well see i mean look steven chambers was in the chat before we even went live like that's dedication right there so what's going on steven what's up freddie uh look before we get into everything because a lot's happened i got you know we gotta welcome back brett who at this point is a member of the big three so, absolutely brett, yeah, you know, at this point, he's been on enough. Everybody knows Brett that knows Well, You can talk NBA, guard of three. If you're not checking him out on TikTok and everything like that. Uh, but Brett, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing I'm doing good. How are, how are you guys doing today? Can't complain. Can't complain yeah, at all. Doing good. Can't complain. I mean, it's, it's crazy that Christmas is coming up. It's even crazier that the regular season for football is like – basically over like we're counting down last four games it's really sad but otherwise i i'm good my picks were terrible i don't even want to know my record it just it wasn't good this is probably the the weirdest uh football week we've had yes. all season and the weirdest season i can recall so a lot to talk about but yeah i'm doing great super excited for the show yeah look i, I totally agree with you it was such an odd week it was i don't know so many so many you know, score lines that nobody saw coming, and we'll definitely get into that later on. It, it's your it's your team's fault, by the way. Like Thursday night started I, off just the chaos that was happening for I, Week 14. I, I told people, <laughs> look out for Bailey Zappi, that defense, and Bill Belichick with all the the rumors circling, which we could actually talk about later as well because there's a report out about his future. Like if like if you guys don't know about it, I can kind of fill you in. It kind of went down today. It's kind of big news in the Boston area, and I don't know. It's pretty interesting. But yeah, yeah, no, it's it's that's the real story though. Is Belichick owns Tomlin? That's like a tale as old as time. It doesn't matter who the quarterback that's, is. Yeah. Belichick just always seems to to own Tomlin. That that's all there is to it. I mean, I try to tell people I don't care how bad New England may look. There's just something about Tomlin, his coordinators. Their offenses always struggle with Belichick's defenses. And Belichick usually has a pretty good defense. And look, with the offense, you just knew with the unpredictability of Zappi, they'd have a chance. So, like I said, we can get into that matchup a little later on because we got to talk about the man who owns L.A. right now. 
Wow. Like, Shohei Otani, look, if you're not a baseball fan, you might want to start putting the bat and the ball in your kid's hand because Shohei got 10 years, $700 million. I'm not even joking with that with those numbers. To stay in the same city, he's with the Angels. All the Angels are on the Anaheim. They just latch they market, on to they, LA they for marketing. Market so bad, they yeah. want it so bad. Yeah, and then, you know LA doesn't want the Angels. They have the Dodgers, the bigger brand. So Shohei, ten years, seven hundred million. His contract is done in a way that's something we haven't seen. Where... I didn't know this was possible. Like, I don't know baseball, all the free agency rules because it's so complicated. Mm-hmm. But when I heard this, I didn't even know it was possible that this could happen. It's I'll let you like fill us in, but I didn't know it could happen. It was nuts. Well, we've seen instances of this. You know, the Mets, they get made fun of every year because they pay like Bobby Bonilla like a million and a half. It's like around July 4th or something every yep. season. Because he he definitely did something like this, where he deferred his money until after the contract was over. But in terms of this kind of money, where he's deferring six hundred and eighty million to after the contract, and he's only going to get two million a season from the Dodgers. Now, look, Shohei makes the reports are like around fifty million off the field. So Shohei's fine. You're not going to see him at the side of the road with a cardboard <laughs> sign saying, I need some help. He'll, he'll be okay. But, you know, looking at a contract like this, would you see a world where other big names follow suit? Because I, I think it's a lot to ask of, a, of an athlete to sign a big deal and defer it to the end of the contract. And... I, get, I mean, I, I guess you're not really taking much of a risk if you get hurt. You know, that money's coming down the line. But do you think athletes, you know, ego or whatever would allow them to sign deals like like Shohei did? It's, it, it's interesting. Um, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that Shohei makes $50 million off of off the field because I was worried with those L.A. prices that $2 million a year wouldn't be enough for him to get by with how expensive it is in California. But, That's a good point. Um, after taxes, that two million is, is gone. It's not going very far. On a more serious note, though, I could see this happening in a few unique situations, and I feel like it could only happen for big market teams. So we're talking Dodgers, Yankees, Mets, like the rich, rich owners, the big markets, and guys that have already made some money, guys that already have this is like their second or third big contract, and not necessarily a guy that's just coming out of arbitration and all of that, looking to finally make some major league money. Uh, but I don't see this being the norm. I can see this being a situation where a player has enough money and wants to win and can see there's a little bit of a competitive advantage for what the team can do uh, as far as the luxury tax and all those penalties go. Uh, but I think we're going to see, I'd be surprised if we saw more than one player a year do something like this. And I don't even think it'd be that much. It might be, they send like a $300 million deal. Maybe they defer 250 of it or something like that. I don't think we're going to see $680 million deferred because one, who's going to pay any player besides Shohei that kind of money. And two, I just don't think any player is going to want to defer that much money. Right. Um, I mean, Brett, got anything on this crazy contract? 
Yeah, I, I think we'll see more contracts like this because we already kind of have. We've seen plenty of contracts with deferred money, like Ken Griffey Jr. with the Reds. I think Ryan Braun with the Brewers. Chris Davis with Baltimore had deferred money. I just don't think we'll see a lot of contracts like this, to this extreme with deferred money. Like, I can't foresee many guys saying, yeah, I'll take, I'll play, take $2 million a year to play ball. Like, I don't see them going that far with it. Mm-hmm. Unless, like Jake stated, like they're on their second or third contract or they're bringing in a lot of endorsement money. But um, I do think that if the stars align right, we get a guy like that. I could see this maybe happening a couple more times, but I don't see this that extreme becoming the new norm. Yeah, I mean, and I did joke about, you know, taking like the basketball or whatever out of your kid's hand, putting a bat in a baseball. I did see a TikTok where a dad was like watching TV and the breaking news happened and his son was like playing basketball right next to him. He's like, hold on a second and gave him a bat. <laughs> That's the only reason why I brought that up. I mean, look, kind of like you said, Jake, I think Shohei is just a anomaly in all this because technically with his ability to pitch as well as dominate at the plate, even if you were looking at it without the deferred money, if you are a contending team and you're saying that your best pitcher and your best hitter are costing you seventy million a year, that's kind of you, you would you would look at that and be like, all right, that's not that bad. So I guess for the Dodgers, they looked at it and was like, well, we're getting the best of both worlds in the two of them. Although he is undergoing Tommy John surgery, so he's not going to pitch next year anyway. The following year, we'll have to see, and then we'll have to see once he's on the mound, how good of a pitcher is he. Is he going to get back to the level he was with the Angels? And if not, you know, how would Dodger fans, I guess, feel about it? But then again, he's playing for $2 million. They, they probably don't care. As long as they win, which they haven't done in a while, outside of the shortened uh, season or during the COVID year. But, you know, they, they're, de- they're desperately trying to get that second, third ring to kind of justify the money that they've been spending for the past few years now. So... Over the next 10 years, let's just say like this was your team signing a guy to $700 million. How many titles would you need to see your team win to kind of justify a contract like that? Uh, for me, uh, you know, I'm, I've only been following baseball pretty closely for a couple of years. My team's the Brewers, and so I know there's no chance they're ever going to be able to afford something like this. But I would say there, there's a kind of a qualifier I would put to this is how – how much does this contract affect the team once like Shohei's kind of done in his prime? Like, mm-hmm. is it going to set us back a couple years? Kind of like with the Rams for the, the, in the NFL, like they got their Super Bowl, but now we're seeing the effects of all of that spending, all those trades that they made to kind of justify it. Now it's, it's kind of hurting them. I would say with, with baseball being as hard as it is, I'd say it, you need at least two to really justify with it. Uh, the Dodgers is for the Dodgers sake with their spending for all the other players, it's probably three, but mm-hmm. in most situations, if they win two, I think they're going to look at that and be like, man, we got the best player in baseball. We got, like you said, Kyle, an anomaly, a, a one of a kind that we've never seen before. We got two titles. We're going to be in the hunt every year. Like you're going to make that deal year after or time and time again, knowing you're getting two titles for it. So I'd say at least two is kind of the minimum. Okay. Brett, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of like, I kind of like three, and I know that's hard to do in ten years. But you just got 
the best player in baseball for the next 10 years playing with you for $2 million a year. You got extra money to spend. So put it to good use and it'll, it'll be tough. It's, it's not going to be easy even with Shohei on board, but I would say two is acceptable, but I really think, especially with LA being a really passionate and big, uh, big market, I think, I think three is the perfect number for that. Yeah. I mean, John and Nick, Nicholas both said three. I'm kind of along the lines of that. You know, two, you might be able to get by selling it to, to your franchise, but it, it has to be three. Some might even say four. But they definitely can't do what they've done these past few years with, you know, spending all the money, getting to the postseason, and going out early. This past year, a lot of people thought, you know, they, they were the team to beat in, in the National League went out early and that, that's probably what led to them wanting to get it uh Shohei in there to to try to make a run at it next year but like we said it's sports you got to play the games and baseball with a long season of 162 games all kind of crazy things can happen so there's definitely no guarantee but you know everybody's gonna be looking at the Dodgers to see what they do over these next 10 years and for Steven he said go Reds he had to say it I mean, rep your team, man. I'm a Red Sox fan. Imagine how I feel. Uh, I think the Yankees actually won the offseason so far, in my opinion. they look, That was a pretty good deal. I mean, look, the Yankees aren't going to fix all the problems overnight, but they got Juan Soto, and he's a really good player. He's still, I think he's like 25 or 26, despite mm-hmm. how he's been traded twice and how good he is. Like, he's a good piece, and so I'm – I don't know if they've won it, but they've definitely improved their team from where they were last year. I, I think the Dodgers, I mean, it, it's a lot of money. It's a big deal, but it's a big like contract, but they won the offseason. They got they got the big prize. They got all the attention. Uh, so for me, the Dodgers won the, the offseason. So, so none of y'all like the Red Sox getting Tyler O'Neill. That doesn't do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, John says, especially if they can land Yamamoto. Look, with Shohei sure. off the block, Yamamoto is now the biggest free agent out there. Uh, I wonder how long it takes for him to sign now, because I've always felt like once Shohei was kind of gone, you might get a flurry of signings after that. I mean, I think what the Yankees are in on him, the Red Sox, all the big markets are in on, on Yamamoto. So we'll see where he decides to go. I guess the last thing I'll ask, did you think he's in with that show he was going to end up with the Dodgers? I mean, from, go ahead, Brett. I'll say from what I was reading, I figured there was a good chance because he's between them and Toronto is what it sounded like. And to me, like when it comes to where Shohei played, I kind of figured he'd still stick it close to the West coast mm-hmm. because he's still much closer to home at that point. So you're telling me you're going to give, and especially as soon as they heard the numbers, like, oh, easy money. You're going to pay the man $700 million to be right next to his home country? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought the Dodgers were going to be the team. Uh, I had read reports that he, there were rumors going around, this was months ago, that he didn't even want to move to the East Coast, that he wanted to stay on the West Coast, again, to be closer to home. Dodgers mm-hmm. have the money. They're a much better ran organization than the angels they have the money to support them so it made sense and i just want to say before i get to kyle to get your point on this Mm -hmm. 
how great is it for baseball that Shohei is in was with the Dodgers? Like if if you have your best player, your most unique star, and for the past who knows how many years he's been with the Angels, not playing in October, like mm-hmm. it, it, it's a crime that he hasn't had any postseason run. People have said like, oh man, baseball postseason, nobody cares about the World Series, nobody cares about the postseason. Well, it's because one reason is your best players aren't in it. Now with Shohei, with the Dodgers, he's going to be playing every single October, possibly into November, winning World Series. And that's going to do a ton of build for the sport to grow, which baseball desperately needs. So Mm -hmm. of all the teams, you have to think that baseball, like the commissioner's office, they were hoping he would go to the Dodgers to help really boost the dying ratings we've seen for baseball over the past few years. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, for me, I... I knew the Dodgers were going to be looming out there. But for me, I guess as a baseball fan, I was hoping Seattle would be where he would go. Because Seattle has the Ichiro connection. And I thought maybe he'd want to go there because from what everybody says, it's like Otani is kind of a low-key kind of guy. And I feel like in Seattle, he could be more of a low-key superstar as opposed to the Dodgers where like the the spotlight's going to be on him now, night in and night out. So, you know, if if it's for him, then cool. He'll he'll become a even bigger star. Although baseball kind of lucked into that because Otani was already kind of internationally known, so him being a star in in MLB wasn't that difficult. Because I still say it, baseball has a terrible way of marketing their big stars. They just got lucky that Otani's an international player who has his own his own following already. So, because uh, I look, I would say if Mike Trout sat across from me at a table, I probably wouldn't even know who it was. Same here, same here. But he's supposed to be the best player in baseball. Like, come on, name another sport where a top guy would enter the room and you wouldn't know who it was. Uh, let me catch up on some of the comments here. So John said, I mean, sure, because they have the money, but I had the Rays and Blue Jays, honestly. I think the Blue Jays needed him because they need pitching. The Rays, I yeah, I just don't see the Rays. I just don't see the, the Rays just don't spend long-term money like that. They just they've they've done it really once with Franco, and that's not looking like it's turning out so good for him. So I just mm-hmm. it'd be cool. I would love it if the Rays got it. That'd be such a cool story, but I just don't I just don't see it. I don't see him pitching in Tropicana for half of the half of his career. I just don't see it. Yeah, and plus you don't want him pitching at Tropicana Field. Oh, that place is a dump. I've never been there. I never know it's a dump. I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there either. <laughs> uh, he picked the right place if he wants to be famous. Well, he's already famous. Cool. Dodgers get Otani. Just hope the starting rotation stays healthy. That's usually been an issue. Uh, Nicholas agrees with me. I think it's Seattle. And Padres or some someone in the hunt, in my opinion, because of all the moves they've done to free up some money. I mean, I guess, but the Padres have done the big spending thing and it's blown up in their face. I don't know if they want to jump back into that. I don't think Shohei would have wanted to go to the Padres. I I think he because he's different. He wants to win. I don't think he wants to go to a market that has all these big contracts and is always missing the playoffs because he did that with the Angels. I don't mm-hmm. think he wants to be a part of an organization that's failing like the Angels have failed. Right. 
Uh, Jory says if he's low-key, he definitely didn't need to be in Atlanta. Yes, he, he would automatically become the biggest star in Atlanta. And, yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think he would have made a bigger splash at the Orioles with that roster, but Dodgers make the most sense. Hey, I'm even as a Red Sox fan, I'm all for the Orioles kind of kind of getting a, a big name and in, in staying relevant. I like the Orioles. I believe the Rays are getting a new ballpark. They better. Sure. Otherwise, that's a team that will be on the move. I guarantee it. Yep. They will not be staying in Tampa that much longer if they don't get a new ballpark. All right. I mean, that's a good opening, you know? Yeah, Talk some baseball. baseball. Say, I'm, yeah. just, I'm, say, I'm hoping next that Mike Trout gets shipped to a contender because I want to see him play in October. Well, the the Angels said they're not moving him. He should demand a trade and just be like, give me the, <laughs> give me the F well, out of here, man. <laughs> I'm done. He should, but then, I, I mean, when it comes to Trout, you know, Trout's like 31 now, and he's been hurt the past few years. I, I just don't know if, if the the shine of Mike Trout is still there anymore. It, like, it's he'll, not. He'll get the you ship has sailed. The, yeah. sh- the ship has sailed for what Mike Trout could have been. Mm-hmm. And now it's just, he's a shell. And it's he's still a good player, but it's just, he's not, the allure isn't what he was five years ago. And that's right. a shame. Yeah. All right. Well, before we go on to our next topic, got a quick word from the network. What's up, everybody? It's Control Simpson with Wire to Wire Sports Podcast, where we're going to cover all things breaking news, sports related. We're going to preview games, and we're also going to give you our reaction to the games that have happened before. You can catch us on Wednesdays from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And if you miss us there, no worries. You can also catch us on Roku with Northeast Streaming Sports Productions from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Hey, and listen, if you're not into all sports and just NFL, we have Sideline to Sideline. That's on Thursday nights from 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 8 p.m. We'll break down the NFL week, the Thursday night game, and we'll preview all NFL action. And if you're like me and college football is your fix, tune in every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. for Coast to Coast College Football Pregame Show. We'll review the previous week's action, the day's biggest games. We'll give you our pick and we'll even give you some teams that are on upset alert. And if you don't catch us live, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We do also have a YouTube station, Wire to Wire Sports Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. All right. That's Wire to Wire. You know, check them out Wednesday nights with you know, or Gene. You saw Bill and Cottrell. They, they, they'll get you covered all across the sports landscape as well. Great show. Make sure you tune in. All right, so sticking with L.A., the in-season tournament came and went. The Lakers hoisted the NBA Cup. I believe that's what they're going to stick with, the name of it. I still think they'll probably end up changing the tournament's name to the NBA Cup tournament, but, you know, whatever. You know, the the Lakers are going to hang a banner. They're going to honor their two great players in LeBron and AD. Whatever. Does that mean they're unveiling a statue of them? I don't know. Like, how do you honor them? It's L.A., man, that they, they're doing their own thing. Uh, but looking at how the tournament went, you know, what were your thoughts, I guess, on, on the final? We'll, we'll start there. It was a pretty good game between the Lakers and the, and the Pacers. Like, what were your observations coming out of the, of the game between those two? I'll let Brett go because I know he's, he's the better basketball yeah. right, between Brett. the two of us. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought that the right team won. That's the beauty of the Lakers is the Lakers have a perfect setup to kind of slow down the Pacers' offense. 
They did a lot of trapping with uh, Anthony Davis and kind of had LeBron playing free safety behind. That's that's tough to handle, especially with Vanderbilt too on Halliburton. So I just think that much of a as much defense as they had, they had the perfect combination to slow them down. So the right team won, and I overall with this tournament, I absolutely loved it. They went all in, new courts. The games felt that much more important. You saw the guys playing harder. And we saw guys playing till the end. That's big to me. I love it. You have guys still out there with like five minutes to go trying to actually run up the score. And, you know, for the point differential, we have guys shooting threes at the end. I know some people like going old school, say, hey, that's disrespectful. But I personally love play till the final whistle. Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. I absolutely loved it. It was a great idea. And I cannot wait for it to come back next year. All right. Yeah. Jake? Oh, the game was great. I, I definitely agree with Brett that the right team won. I felt like the Lakers were were the better team. They definitely played better, and as uh, I enjoyed it, and you know that got me watching basketball in December. Uh, if you know, minus my own, you know, rooting interest for the first time in in years, as far as like watching normal games in November and December, mm-hmm. I don't typically do that unless it's the Christmas Day games or I'm watching the Utah Jazz. So that's a big deal for for a sports fan just to get watching in-season tournament let alone the casual fan to get that to grow and i think it's really cool that you see like i don't i don't love the idea that they're hanging a banner and treating this like almost like a championship of sort that seems a little extra but i do like the fact that we've seen how every team took this super serious we saw how lebron is taking this uh, taking this seriously and it's kind of cool that he's the guy that wins it He's the legend. He's kind of ending his career. He gets another trophy, and it really helps kind of add some validity to the in-season tournament. A lot of people, the, their complaints or their hesitations for the in-season tournament was, well, they might just be phoning it in. What are they really playing for? That was a big question. What are they playing for? Well, you can see it's bragging rights and it's pride, and you saw that with LeBron. You saw that with Anthony Davis, and it was really cool to see. And I, again, I can't, like Brett said, I can't wait for next season. Um, and it was great. It's the same thing as the plan uh, for the turn for the playoffs a couple of years ago. I didn't know what to expect. And I held off my, I reserved my judgment till I saw what it was. And I see what we had here. It's great. I think they're going to make some tweaks. They're going to find ways to improve it, but mm-hmm. it's great. And, and having LeBron win it adds a good history to it. People are going to know he's the first one to win it. And next season when they go, it's like, yep. LeBron won it last year with the Lakers. Adds just good storytelling as far as that goes. You had you had the the Lakers with their history and LeBron, and you had like this plucky underdogs with the Pacers. It was it was great. It couldn't have gone better as far as my my opinion goes for the NBA. Yeah, look, trust me, the the LeBron fans will will remind you that that he won the first one. They're not going to let that one go. But look, I, I think the banner thing. I'm I'm fine with it because what they said was like it'll be one singular banner. Even if they win in multiple years, it'll just be the one banner that keeps track. Fine. I, you know I, what? I, I like that. I like that where it's just kind yeah. of one thing, and it, that way you you give it some notoriety, but mm-hmm. you're not hanging it next to the other 17 that are there right. trying to make this seem like oh the Lakers now have the most. You know they have more than the Celtics. Like come on. Right. But I like right. the idea where you just add to it. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um. But like, like I said, we'll have to see what the other parts of this ceremony will be. But yeah, I mean, I have no problem with it. 
I know that some fans, like Brett said, were talking about the point differential not being fair. Uh, I do think one tweak will probably be the schedule in the group play instead of two of the teams at home and two away. Make it so that you play both team, well, both home and away against each opponent in your group play to make it fair. Uh, I'm I'm fine with that. Now, one change that seemingly is getting a lot of traction is taking your in-season tournament champion and giving them a guaranteed playoff spot. What do you what do you think about that? I think that's interesting. So I want to hear which what you guys think about that possible addition. I, I've I've been thinking about this. I have a, a kind of a weird idea for how it goes. So I want to hear Brett's idea, and that way, like he can get it out. But I've been thinking about it for a couple of days, and I I have kind of a weird. It's okay. complicated, so people aren't going to like it if it were to happen. But I think it'd be good. But Brett, let's hear what you got. <laughs> See, I'm here for it. I think you can give, especially if it's a team in the middle, just have it set so at worst they're the six seed. I'm, I'm down for it. I just have a question, like, at times, like, my question is if, like, let's say a bad team goes on a heater and somehow wins the whole thing, will that mess up their spot in the draft lottery? Or, like, some, you know, some mediocre team who who had a really bad year, only won, like, 35 games, but, you know, eight of those wins happen to be the entire in-season tournament. They should get, like, the 10th pick, but now they get, have to get, like, the 16th. So I do have questions, and if like this would affect like how the draft lottery and everything goes too. But mm-hmm. overall, I I don't mind the idea, honestly. All right. So yeah, go ahead, Jake. I, I got my this. idea. So right. part of the concern is like kind of Brett said, what happens if a team wins the end season tournament? They get super lucky, and then they just bomb the rest of the year. They're they're terrible. They finish like with the twelfth in the West or something like that. And you're like, are you really going to give this team the four seed? Like that doesn't seem fair. It kind of negates the regular season. So what if we did this in kind of tiers? So let's say you win the in-season tournament, you finish outside of the play-in, that bumps you into one of the seven through 10 seeds. I'm not really sure which one, probably the seven or the eight seed. So that way you win it, you win the tournament, you have, let's say you have the season from hell as far as injuries go, you fall to 11th or 12th, this gets you into the play-in. You went the other scenario, let's say you win the tournament, but you're in the play-in, like the seven through ten, this bumps you to the sixth seed. That way you win it and it guarantees you a spot in the playoffs. And then if you are both like the six, the four, five, or six seed, you're just guaranteed a, a home series. I, I think like let's say you finish this five or six seed, your reward is you get home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs. That way you're still rewarded for all the effort. Um and you get kind of a little bonus for there. I think anything outside of like, let's say you finish third, I don't think you necessarily need an extra reward. Like, oh, let's give him the one seed or the two seed. But mm-hmm. I definitely feel like if a team wins it, like let's say the Lakers, they've had seasons from hell before with injuries. They go through the stretch from January to March where they're just banged up January to February. They get back hot and their reward for winning the tournament early in the year is they get the sixth seed or they get a spot to kind of keep playing. Mm-hmm. Um that's kind of what I came up with. It's it's more complicated, but basically it, it kind of whatever spot you're in in the playoff line, it moves you up one spot up to a home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. That's the easiest way to kind of summarize it. I'm not going to lie. I, I would buy into that because I think it's pretty cool. When I came up, I was like, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, because if you're like 11 or 12, you win the in season, you bump up. You're just knocking the 10th seed out, which to be honest, 
what shot would they have anyway? Right. And if you're in the plane and you go up to six, you bump six down to seventh, fine. So, yeah, I mean, that's not, it's not a bad idea. I, we'll have to see, I guess, how the league determines it. But, yeah, I, I could get behind that idea. I'll to say, be honest with you, like, oh, go ahead, Brett, sorry. No, I'll say, I could see the tier right. I think the tier idea would be a good idea. I just yeah. don't think they'd ever go for the home court advantage one. I, I don't think they'd go for that because well, then what's the point of, the you know, fighting for this high seed if mm-hmm. some seventh seed is going to have home court advantage for the first round anyway? But I do like the idea of it being tiered. Yeah, right. it just, it, it, you know, the big concern has always been for a lot of people, what's the point, besides the money, what's the point of the in-season tournament? Mm-hmm. This gives you, uh, doesn't give you a lock necessarily if your team falls apart, but it really gives you a much more competitive advantage in the playoffs. So then, therefore, in November and December, you're playing really hard. That way you see the payoff come May and June. Right. Um Oh, I I guess let me address Damien here. Hot take, Damien. Uh, yeah. So what what's up going? What's going on, Damien? Look, I get you think it's dumb. I I get that, but I can't see how watching how the games went that you would still think it's dumb when, as you put it, to take away load management. I mean, a lot of the players got up for the tournament games, so you didn't have to worry about load management. And plus, Adam Silver can't just do away with it completely. You know, he's tried with the 65-game cap. You know, we'll see what that does this season. He put in the in-season tournament. Like, outside of that, you're not going to force a player to play on a night if he technically doesn't want to. It'll just be how the team kind of twists it in a way to make it seem like, oh, he's nursing a whatever injury. And if you put that down in the injury report, Adam Silver can't sit there and be like, Oh, you're making that up, because then you're you're in a you're just opening Pandora's box to a whole set of crazy things happening. So I, I think in terms of your issues with load management, this is about as best as you're going to do. Now fixing the rules of the game, that's another thing, because that's something that obviously you can do to a certain point. I mean, I would love to know which rules you you're talking about in terms of like what, like you want to bring my hand checking. I'm for that, actually, by the way. Um, yeah, you know, get, get some physicality on the perimeter. Let's get back to games where scores were like 80 to 78, boys. Let's do it. Yeah. Guys getting slammed to the court, and you're just, you're just, yeah. you're just Tough defense it. isn't tough defense. It's just being really physical. It's just bear hugging your opponent. Yeah. PJ Tucker, DPOI candidate. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. He would love that. He'd be like, hey, get me out there. Like let me get let me get these five thousand real quick. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I mean I guess I can I can respect that you still think it's dumb, but it's, it's here to stay. The ratings and everything, it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, Adam, if they find a higher than a ten seed, they keep that spot. If you're an eleven seed, you get the ten seed. Okay, that's kind of using the tier system as well. This way, that extra game means something. Okay. The in-season tournament equals the bubble tournament. I don't see that at all, but okay. Also, if the NBA does go with the tiered system, I want you guys here, like, we we should get a cut of the share for, like, that idea. Like, we need to patent it or something because I haven't heard it stated anywhere else. I will flip in to the NBA office and be like, give me that money. Who over there was watching it? (laughs) 
right. Um, right. So Gene says, yes, the bubble tournament way better than... I mean, okay. I mean, I, look, I, I didn't hate the bubble tournament. It was, it was, it was kind of fun. Part of what I liked about the bubble tournament is that we had sports of some kind. Like, that's one reason why I really liked it, as I had something to watch. It was <laughs> sports. Um, and it was kind of cool that they got to play and only focus on playing. That's why we got some really good competitive basketball. Uh, mm-hmm. But I don't know, man. The season tournament kept me interested for November and December, which normally I only follow Utah Jazz. Outside of that, I'm just keeping up and not really watching games. No, I, 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 I... As Gene put here, that's that's obviously why it is better because the bubble tournament was your playoffs, while the in-season tournament is just a, well, it's an in-season tournament, still a regular season uh, accomplishment. I was saying, plus with the, with the bubble, we had a that was a lot of fun. Like people want to bash it, but we had T.J. Warren going absolutely berserk in the first round. We had Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell trading fifty pieces back and forth. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that was just an insanely fun, you know, that was an insanely fun playoff series to watch. It was just so. good basketball. That's all it was. It was, it was just good basketball. It was awesome. Uh, John, thoughts on the Raptors defamation countersuit to the next? I I haven't gotten too deep into that story because I got yeah. better things to use my time on than than lawsuits, man. Are <laughs> <laughs> right, you talking about the Knicks and the Raptors? I mean, I've said already before, the Raptors are the most boring team, so I definitely don't want to read legal stuff dealing with the Raptors now. But for for you, John, I'll look into it. We can talk about that next week. Uh, regular season game, that means more than a team record is great for the sport. Okay. I would play in a hard two if I was in Disneyland all alone. That's true. I mean, all those guys were doing was like playing basketball and then going home and like playing on their PlayStation because they couldn't have friends. They couldn't go out. They're just like, oh, yes, let's go play video games. Oh, they could. Lemon Pepper Loose shows you you can still have your fun. <laughs> that's, that's like the best nickname for any athlete. <laughs> Man, I ain't going to lie, though. If you've had those wings from Magic City, I don't blame them for leaving the bubble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, because remember, he went for the wings. That's all it was. That's what it was. Yep. Yes. Uh, So Steven says, seeing Durant's going to be out for the Suns game against the Warriors with high ankle sprain. Yes. And oddly enough, Bradley Beal will be back. Have you ever seen the two of them in the same room? Just saying. Yeah, Durant's going to get hurt. At this point, Durant's going to get hurt for two, three weeks every season. It's just how he's older. He's had a bunch of injuries. His body isn't like he's super tall and super skinny. Like it's going to happen and we just have to. Accepted. As long as he's healthy in, in April and May, that's all that matters for the Suns. At this rate, the only people who's going to have chemistry with everybody is Grayson Allen because we're due for a Nurkic injury soon, too. Oh, yeah. It's a miracle yeah. he hasn't been hurt yet. This is what Phoenix signed up for. So it is what it is. All right. So before we go on to our next topic, another word from the net. Hey, guys. It's Pavel the Cat and Evan Rev Runners. And we are two guys in Hockey Talk. We are here every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time to talk all things hockey. What are we talking about, Evan? We talk KHL, AHL, ETHL, every HL hockey league you can think about, prospects, juniors, even the professional women's hockey league. Yeah, we love it. And we have a website, Two Guys in Hockey Talk. So give us a follow. we got articles on all things related to hockey. And we're writing all throughout the season. So make sure you're tuning in. We're also on X or 
Twitter. Uh, you can find me at hockey underscore two and you can follow me at Revan Ebb. Or you can also go to two guys and hockeytalk.com to follow everything. We love hearing from you guys, so make sure you tune in, comment, like, give us a follow on our Facebook and YouTube page. We love hearing from you guys, and it's a blast talking all things hockey, right, Evan? Hey, man, it is. So, as we say every show, in the meantime and in between time. Keep your sticks on the ice. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Those are the guys from Two Guys in Hockey Talk. Another show that comes on Wednesday following Wire to Wire. And another show that you'll have a great time, even if you're not a hockey fan. All right. So this is one of the best segments of, of the episode. Our overreactions. We've got Damien in here, who's the overreaction king in terms of the chat, because he's going to come with something wild. But... I feel like we always start with Jake. So, Jake, why don't you go ahead and get us kicked off with the first overreaction from week 14. All right. First reaction, man. This was first. This was the weirdest week in the weirdest year. I, I have the hardest time just trying to like peace to mind, like reflect back on what was going on for Sunday because it just none of it made sense. We had the Jets beating the Texans. We had the Bengals stomping the Colts, the Bears beating the Lions. Uh, so my overreaction, and I don't know how much of an overreaction this is. This might just be a, a takeaway. The Lions are losing in the first round of the playoffs, and they are probably they're at risk of losing. Like they could easily lose their what was viewed as before a lock for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're they're losing the first round. If I'm one of these other teams, I, I'm I'm wanting to play Detroit in the first round. They are right for the picking. They they pe- peaked way too early. Uh, and all of those concerns that we had last season about their defense just seemingly came back over the past few weeks because at the start of the year, the Lions looked really good. Like they were surprisingly, their defense was surprisingly really good, and everyone was just kind of, I was shocked. I, I was surprised how they turned it around, and everything is regressed. You look at just how they've played the past few seasons or the past few weeks. I mean, they got smoked by the Ravens. They barely beat the Raiders. They won a shootout against the Chargers, and the Chargers are a dumpster fire. They barely beat the Bears. They look like garbage against the Packers. The Saints almost come back. That's one that gets kind of forgotten about with the Saints. Mm-hmm. If the Saints had Derek Carr, there's a good chance that the Saints win that game because Jameis Winston couldn't complete a damn pass when he came in. And then you get smoked by Jameis the Lions. Davis. It's terrible. Like They peaked way too soon, and mm-hmm. I think they're going to lose in the first round. And all the hype that we've had for like Ben Johnson and all this stuff is going to, is going to die, but they're losing first round. Oh, that might not be that hot of an overreaction, but they are done. They are done. Okay. Uh, Brett, you got one? Oh, of course. Guys, Justin Herbert's injury, Brandon Staley safe another year. He can play off the Herbert injury and buy himself another year. Right. Right. I'm, I mean, it's the only good for him. Yeah, the, the Chargers are one of the dumbest, absolute dumbest run organizations. <laughs> so of course it's going to happen. It shouldn't, yeah. but it's going to happen because the Charger fans just can't have nice things. They just can't. Well, there it is. Man. Me and John on the same wavelength. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean that that is kind of wild that you know we have other coaches in the league who have accomplished way more. And their jobs are in question, 
but Brandon Staley could very well survive it because of the quarterback injury. Even though, look, he got hurt when the season was already over. So it shouldn't count. But like you said, Jake, it's the Chargers. We just never know what they're thinking. That would be wild if he survived this. <laughs> if, if he'll sign I mean, for a discount. Yeah, I mean, at that point, it's like having the Chargers job is the cushiest job in, in, in the league. You don't have to meet expectations, and you get to keep it because as long as you get an injury or two, you get an excuse. And you live in L.A. Like, that's a great place to live. Warm weather, all yeah. that good stuff. Okay. Uh, I was kind of waiting for, for Damien to put one of his hot takes in there. I, I guess he's getting warmed up. Um <laughs> So I think mine's was actually going to be along the lines of Anthony's here. I think the Browns are going to get a playoff spot. They're getting a wild card, which means the other two spots, even though when Watson got hurt, you know, you didn't know about the DTR situation. They're getting Joe Flacco off the couch. It seemed like it was, it was going to slip away from them. But I mean, the defense is still showing up. And like, like Anthony said, Flacco's been decent. I think they, they I think they hold on to one of the wild card spots, even though most people thought they're gonna fall out of it. I think that's kind of a mild overreaction, but that, that's that's how I'll go to start with mine. I saw the most insane stat with Joe Flacco. He already mm-hmm. has almost thrown for as many touchdowns as Kenny Pickett this year. He has thrown for five <laughs> in the last two games. Pickett has six touchdowns on the year. I mean, yeah. And remember, once they fire Matt Canada, I was supposed to solve everything. Hey, they looked good for like the first half. They they threw over the middle a couple of times after mm-hmm. that first game, man. I guess. <laughs> I'm glad Kenny Pickett <laughs> could put together a good half of football. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, Jake, <laughs> go for another round. Okay. This one... It kind of hurts to say, but I think we're running into a situation with with the Pittsburgh Steelers with Mike Tomlin where it's comparable to Andy Reid in Philadelphia. It might just be time for both parties to move on because Andy Reid with the Philadelphia Eagles was there for a long time, took Mm -hmm. them to five NFC championship games, four straight Super Bowl before they've had their run with their Super Bowl previously. You could argue that was the best run the Eagles had had. And it was time to move on. They went 4-12 and this last season. It was time for them to move on. And both parties eventually looked better. Like Andy Reid went to Kansas City, looked good. Then he got Patrick Mahomes and really took off. The Eagles, they hired Chip Kelly, which wasn't a great hire, but they eventually got it right. They got Doug Peterson, and now they have Sirianni. They won a Super Bowl. They've been to uh, to another. It worked out. And I think... It might just be time for the the Steelers to move on from Mike Tomlin because it feels like he's either lost the locker room, he's lost something with the coordinator, something isn't right for Pittsburgh, and it might be time for him to move on. I like Mike Tomlin a lot. Mm-hmm. He's always been voted as one of the top coaches in the league. When when the players they have an anonymous poll where they're like, "Hey, who's a coach you'd want to play for besides your own?" It's always Mike Tomlin. He's always number one or number two. I think it might be time where Tomlin is going to be better served to be more successful to change his senior. And maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers can kind of get a little bit of a, a fresh start. They would have to make the right hire. But the Steelers haven't been great past 
seven years or so. They really have kind of disappointed. They had that one year they started 11-0, but we all knew they were frauds, and mm-hmm. they lost in the first round. I think it might just be time where it's run its course. And I hate to say it, but a lot of teams would want him. You could potentially trade him. Like Tomlin in Washington would be fantastic because he can set a winning culture. He could set a winning organization. You know, the Panthers would want him because uh, the owner used to be a minority owner for the Steelers. So he knows all about Mike Tomlin. The demand would be there. They might be able to get a first round pick out of it. I don't think it's going to happen. But at, at this point with how the Steelers have been playing and how unprepared they look week after week, it might be time for them just to move on. I mean, that's, that's, that's interesting to think about, you know, the, the weirdest thing with Pittsburgh though, is like all of a sudden they keep having like these issues with their wide receivers. Like Antonio Brown became a sideshow Claypool. Now you have Johnson Pickens does it a little bit. Like, I don't know what they got going on with the, with the wide receiver room, but, like, they got to fix that. I mean, look, has Tomlin been there a while? Yes. But kind of like Gene said, I I find it hard to fire Tomlin when so many teams are looking around for good coaching. But he has been there forever, so I, I don't know. I think I'm at this point it, 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 it'd only be like if he wanted out. I don't think it's the rumors would, would, would ever fire him. I don't think. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's going to happen. But you look, Andy Reid was always viewed as an excellent coach, and he was let go out of Philadelphia, and it was probably for the best. Like Philadelphia kind of needed a, a fresh start, a new voice in the locker room, new people to bring in for coordinators. Because Mike Tomlin, he did have Canada as his offensive coordinator for way too long. Like he's, I love Tomlin. He hasn't been mm-hmm. perfect, and again, I don't think it's going to happen. But just talking with Steeler fans and seeing how they just, they seem to play to the level down to level of their competition and losing to two teams in back-to-back weeks that were had two wins at home. Just Kenny Pickett being hurt shouldn't cause the play that we've seen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I don't think it's going to happen, but it might be time for, for them to to move on as much as it pains for me to say. I think I just think they need a new quarterback. I think Mike Tomlin's still a phenomenal coach, and they're still seven and six. They still got a great system, and they've done it without a real quarterback through the first fourteen weeks. Kenny Pickett's only accurate pass is a screen pass half the time, and Mitch Trubisky's decision making is questionable. So, I don't think that Mike Tomlin is more so the issue. I think the issue is they they just don't really have a guy to really really right the ship, and the fact that. They still have a winning record while running just absolutely below average quarterbacks out there so far is actually pretty astounding to me. Yeah, I think there's some retooling to do, and they got to get this OC higher right. But I, I think Mike Tomlin should absolutely stay in Pittsburgh, and if he he goes, that that'll just end up being a bad look for the Steelers because there's nobody that's gonna step in and come close to what he's done with this team. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, but yes, so the, the OC hiring will, will definitely be important to Tomlin's next few years, because look, if Canada was the issue, you got rid of them, you know, obviously you're not going to turn it around in the middle of the season. So I think the, the continued below average play is somewhat excused, but going into the off season, he's going to have his chance to pick the coordinator that he wants, you know, they'll whether it is with Pickett or if they get another quarterback in there, they'll 
be able to set up a new system. And then next year, maybe if we see more of the same, then the conversation can start. But yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would do that now. But I get it. I get the reaction because there's other situations that are kind of playing into the same same as Tomlin in, in Pittsburgh. But uh, I mean, look, I love Mike Tomlin. Again, he's a fantastic coach. Mm-hmm. He does not need to be fired for performance. But you look, I saw some stats where it's like over the past, I think it's like seven years or, or maybe it's since their last Super Bowl run. Like they have, a, they only have more playoff wins than like five teams. Like they have, despite them always having this winning record, they've all, they don't perform well in the postseason. And it's just one of those things where it's like, there's a lot of evidence that shows that this team is underperformed and sometimes you need to change. I don't think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, but that's just, that was my overreaction watching that game, watching how the, the new England Patriots who've just been awful on offense all year did that against a defensive coach on the road, like for the pages on the road, just something's something weird is going on in, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, Anthony asks, why is Ben Johnson Lions offensive coordinator, the hottest coaching, the hottest coach out next year? Very simple. He's an offensive coordinator. A lot of teams need offense, so they're going to grasp at whoever is available. And that's why he's one of the hottest coaches. Well, and and he also like, he he saved Jared Goff's career because Jared Goff, people didn't view him when he went trade to the Lions. It's like, oh, how many years do we have on this contract before the cap hit isn't big? Was their mentality? Mm-hmm. He saved his uh, he saved his career, Jared Goff, and he looked for a while there looked really good. It's just they've they've stumbled and they haven't been able to adjust the past couple of weeks. So now it's what people are wondering: should he be the guy? But that's why he had so much buzz is he saved Jared Goff's career. He looked mm-hmm. completely done. Uh, his last couple years with the Rams, completely done. Right. And, I mean, based off the previous years with Detroit, this this is still an exciting season for them because the fact that they'll be a playoff team, well, possibly, depending on how they finish the season, but Lions fans will take that. I mean, they don't want to go back to the dark years where they're like 2 and, you know, 14 or whatever, they're, they're always on Sports Center for doing the wrong thing, like quarterbacks running out of the back of the end zone and stuff like that. Like They, they don't need to go back to that. So uh, it's it's still a work in progress, I think, in Detroit. Damien asks, who's worse, Steelers or the Pirates? Damien, you know the answer to that. The Pirates <laughs> are clearly worse. <laughs> it's the Pirates. Ah, Damien, we see. See, Damien's getting warmed up. He's getting warmed I up. I like it. I'm glad he's here. <laughs> All right, Brett, you got another one? Oh, of course. I'll go with the most obvious overreaction. Guys, the refs robbed the Chiefs of a truly amazing play. It was historical, and it should have never happened. And, guys, if Kadarius Tony was any more offsides, they might as well just handed him a Bills jersey. That To me, it's the most insane overreaction has been the refs screwed the Chiefs on that final play when – he was offsides. There's no arguing the fact that he was a clear, almost like full yard or two offsides. And I know there's video of him like looking and like pointing at the ref, but I think the issue was if you watch the video of him trying to check with the ref, he's offsides. He looks, points, and then looks at the ball right away and doesn't really give the ref time to respond to actually check if he's offside. So I hate to break it to you guys, but uh, the, the Chiefs screwed the Chiefs, not the refs. 
Sai just says my homeboy was very upset, but understandable. I mean, it was, but at a certain point, he needed to get over it. The the fact that Josh Allen's coming to him and that's his greeting is like worst call ever. It's like okay, then he went to the podium after he had a chance to chill in the locker room, shower, and everything. Still brought the same energy to the podium after. It's like yeah, you you got to move on. I get the. the, the- the crazy thing about that is Mahomes didn't blame the reps for the Packers loss. And that was like the pass interference was like, Hey, how do you miss that passer? The no call, mm-hmm. the pass interference in the game. Andy Reid didn't blame the officials. Patrick Mahomes didn't blame the officials. And so I think my take on this is that Mahomes, this was the tipping point for Mahomes and he's had just so much frustration and anger yeah. with his receivers, with the officiating that it just burst and he didn't know how to handle all of this anger that just came out because they they did. They had this awesome play and Kadarius Tony. I mean, if we could get war as a stat for the NFL, Kadarius Tony would have a negative two war, bare minimum, because he's cost him two games so far this season. It's ridiculous how bad he's been. That I yeah, was the overreaction for the Chiefs and Chiefs fans? Yeah, it was terrible because he was offsides, but I think for the Chiefs fans, it's just uh, maybe Mahomes particularly. This season's been awful. His receivers have been garbage, and he can't. He knows that yelling at the official at the receivers in public isn't going to do him any mm-hmm. do his team any good. So maybe he has to let some of that out this way. I don't know, but it it was not a good look. I'm a huge Mahomes fan, and I I lost a lot of a lot of respect. Like you, you got to handle yourself better than than acting that way over and offsides. And and he was offsides, but also where was this overreaction last season with the commanders and giants when Terry McLaurin lined off lined up offsides, checked with the official. The official gave him the okay, like, hey, you're good, and then threw the flag once the play was snapped. And it cost Washington a game. Does anyone remember that? Or is it just me because I live in Washington's market and have to watch those games? Like these things happen. Mm-hmm. We saw it last year. It doesn't happen very often, but it does happen. And you just you can't be you can't be half a yard offsides. You just can't. So Chase, I, oddly enough, Jalen Waddle did do the same thing last night, and I saw it, and they didn't call it. So I, I get where where Chase is coming from. Yeah, it was a play kind of late in the game, and Waddle lined up kind of similar to Tony, and I was like, Waddle's offside, and they snapped the ball. No flag was thrown. I mean, it, it's always. That that's always tricky because wide receivers love to get every little inch they can because in their mind that gives them a better chance to get further downfield or whatever. Um I mean, yes, was he because Chase is saying like he wasn't that offsides. I still say he's on the line looking at the ball. He should have known he was probably a little off, but I don't know. I think right, Chase can we just all agree. Not, yeah. Can we all disagree that officiating this season has been like the worst we've seen in years and years? It's, it's like, been very inconsistent. Like, like there's been there's been worse like no calls as far as like the like with the Saints Rams NFC Championship game that stand out as like a one off. But as far mm-hmm. as week in week out with the inconsistency and just the blown calls week after week, it feels like the officiating is the worst it's been in my entire time as a fan on a consistent week to week basis. Yeah, it's that. pretty bad. Uh, so I guess my next overreaction will be kind of the, what I teased at the top. The, the story with, with Bill Belichick. That's here. So, 
the rumor is that after the Colts game in Germany, Robert Kraft made his mind up about Bill Belichick. And the once again, the report is that after the season, both parties will part ways with each other. So I guess my reaction is, I think I'm actually okay with that. I think I've come around and because I said all season that if he stayed another year or two, I was fine with that. I didn't know if, you know, mutually parting ways would make sense now. But seeing how Robert Kraft has positioned himself the past couple of years, it kind of makes sense at this point. You know, last season, Robert Kraft was completely, like, bothered by everything that went down. You know, Patricia being an offensive coordinator, he didn't deserve the job. The way it affected Mac Jones. And on and on on and on and on, kind of them being a laughingstock. You know, a lot of situations where they used to be really good, they were all of a sudden making mental errors. You know, the Jacoby Myers wild lateral that gets picked off by Chandler Jones to lose a game. It's like they're finding the most random ways to lose games, and Robert Kraft was kind of done with it. So he kind of put pressure on Bill Belichick this season in the offseason, like, I need to see something different. Fast forward to this point, you could maybe argue it's gotten even worse. And how much of that you put on Bill, I wouldn't put all that on Bill necessarily because, look, Belichick is a great defensive guy. He he can still coach in this league. And if you look at the Patriots games, the players actually still play for him, which is hard to ask for a team that was 2-10. and 10 to go on a short week and go into Pittsburgh and actually act like you care and want to win. So the team hasn't given up on him, which is kind of like why if he came back, I'd have been fine with it. But I I think this might be more of like the Tomlin situation. He's been there so long that you could, I mean, if you want to argue the game is passing him by, I would, I'd probably push back at that, but it's probably time for him to, go on and do something else. Some people have said maybe he goes to the booth or something or studio or something like that for a year or two to decide if he wants to continue coaching. But uh, kind of like Sajan says, like what else does Bill Belichick really have to do in New England? There, there's nothing left. I mean, the only thing I think he reason he stayed, like Damien said that, you know, he should have left after Brady left. He did want to prove that, you know, Hey, I'm the reason why yes. we had all the success. And it's not as simple as Brady leaves and he's the full success. It's way more complicated than that. But I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves. I don't think he's going to go to the booth. I, I would just find it so ironic that he would be a me- member of the media after how, <laughs> you know, on to Cincinnati for all those years, all those takes like that. But I could see him just kind of moving on. We've seen it happen for legendary head coaches to kind of finish out the twilight of their career. Because at this point, I think what he's really hoping for is to get to John Chula's uh, wins record. That's yeah. still a few years out, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. It does feel like the Patriots might just be kind of hanging on to like pay respect to him. And if it's, if they both agree to move on, why not? Yeah. Kraft was never going to fire him mid season. Like he, he wouldn't nope. like disrespect bill like that. Uh, and I think, you know, a lot of the the draft picks that a lot of people made fun of him for, it's really blown up in his face the past couple of years. And look, you just can't continue 
that trend. Because look, yeah. Robert Kraft is different than a lot of these owners. He started as a fan who sat up in like the cheap seats and watched terrible Patriots football. Got to the ownership and he's coming about it like if he were watching this, he would hate the product. Yep. That's why I think Robert Kraft is so respected around the league. But Damien says, could we see Bill coach in college? I, I, I think recruiting I is, is too tough. Yeah. Recruiting is a whole different animal, especially, and I'll give this, I don't think the game has passed Bill Belichick by, but talent evaluation definitely has. So wherever he goes, he better not be the GM because he can still coach. He can get his players to go to get up for a game. They obviously have a great defense despite their injuries. It's just he can't he can't be a talent evaluator as far only the only thing he can do is set the depth chart. That's the only way he should be able to evaluate talent because, like you said, it's been embarrassing how how bad his drafts have gone over the past decade. Yeah, and uh, Anthony says Bill wouldn't be good at talking in the booth. It's like Brady talking; it's going to be dry. Well, I think kind of what I was saying is like Bill would be somebody who you would bring on, like if you were talking about the Ravens. You'd bring Bill on, and he'd kind of give you like an XO breakdown of like what they like to do, what to look for. I think stuff like that, because he he does that uh, up in Boston on their local like channel. There, he'll go in and break down the previous week's game with you know what he was looking at and everything like that. And he's great at that. Like you, it's it's entertaining to watch because you just see how his mind works in terms of the game of, of football. But yeah, I, I can see play it. by play. No, no, I, I could see it working. Remember when Sunday night football first went to NBC and Tony Dungy had that clicker, like the big deal was him yes. going and the, the play would be right back and forth, back and forth. And it was kind of almost like a meme at that point. I could see Belichick doing something like that, where he has one segment on Sunday night football pregame where he picks apart a, a some sort of game plan. And then the rest of the studio does their, their yeah. shtick. And they're because uh, he is he's really good at breaking down things down. It's just he doesn't have the personality to talk for three hours on a on a broadcast. Although outside of the football field, he would uh, be allowed to show some of the sense of humor that he has that he doesn't show like on the podium or anything, because players always say that, like, he's a very funny guy. He likes laughing at jokes and stuff like that. It's just that. Yeah. And John, I agree. Yes, Kraft is in love with Gerard Mayo. And I do think that's part of the reason why this is probably going to happen, happen this offseason. Because Mayo was supposed to get the Panthers interview and Kraft convinced him not to go. Once Mayo took himself out of coaching jobs, I knew there had to be some type of agreement between the two of them. Uh, okay. Or oh, Bill would be great on the little Manning cast. That that I would I would watch that absolutely, or even McAfee. Yeah, all right. Uh, I guess we could do another round of overreactions if you have any. All right, I got one more. I'll I'll, I'll lead us out with one. Denver Broncos are winning the AFC West. Uh, oh. I think the Chiefs are just in free fall. Uh, it's hard to believe, but they're only I think a game apart in, in the standings. And yes. the Chiefs, the, wild, I mean, yeah. they're yeah, eight and five, seven and six. They split each other as far as uh, the regular season matchup. Like both teams have a pretty easy schedule, with the Chiefs just imploding. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Denver finds a way to win. The Chiefs go; they have the Patriots, Raiders, Bengals, and Chargers. I mean, they're not terrible, but they're not walks either. The Broncos have the Lions, who are just ready to be picked. The the Patriots, 
the Chargers and the Raiders. Don't be surprised, man. This might be like the, the true season from hell for the char- for the Chiefs where the receivers are just so bad where they finally don't win their division. I think they've won it since like 2016, like every season since then. And I think it finally ends. That's that's my reaction, man. The Broncos are going to make this huge comeback. from They looked dead in September and early October, and they're going to win the division. Okay. That's- I mean, Chase says that's dumb. <laughs> These are overreactions, Chase. Come on, I'm not betting on it. These are overreactions. He he'll make sure to come back and make fun of you. Do so it. There you go. I'll, do, I'll do it for the views. I'll look like a fool for the views, yeah. man. <laughs> I mean, like like you said, Jake, it's it's overreactions. That's all it is. All right, Brett, you got another one. Who? How about? The seven and six Vikings win the NFC North. They did their defense has been looking legit. If they can figure out some semblance of an offense, if they might have a legit shot at still making the playoffs. I know a lot of people are talking Lions. I know people are talking Packers. Mm-hmm. People forget that the Vikings are in second place, and that defense has gotten much improved. Obviously, we saw them just shut out the Raiders in like the biggest news fest of a Sunday game, but like <laughs> That defense is looking impressive. If they can figure out how to put some points on the board, that team could sneak into a wild card spot. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Well, who are you planning on being the quarterback, though? That's the issue. That that's that's the issue. I guess you, whoever has the hotter hand, probably Josh Dobbs at this point. I think you ride it out because I think he's better than Nick Mullins, even him on a cold streak. The interesting thing with that, and I agree, that's totally in play. The Vikings are last four games. They go to Cincinnati this coming Sunday. And then after that, it's Lions, Packers, Lions. So you want to talk about controlling your own destiny? Like you could even lose to Cincinnati. You win those three games. There's a very good chance. Like you take care of your business. You get that that home playoff game and win the division. And just the Lions season just crumbles and just craters like and. Nothing we've ever seen for the the hype that was there four or five weeks ago to where they just lose the division, their wildcard team. That'd be quite the story. But yeah, I everyone's talking Packers and Lions. Don't no talk about the Vikings, but man, and maybe rightfully so. The Vikings, it was a it was the like the worst game you could possibly imagine imagine with all the punts and everything. It was unwatchable. But hey, they they just take care of business, man. They'll I was about to say they the Vikings have basically made it seem like Nick Mullins is the guy going forward. And if you want to bet on Nick Mullins, it's <laughs> probably a big payday at the, at the end of your future. Overreaction 49ers fall short. Fall short of what, Sajin? The one seed? The Super Bowl? The NFC Championship? What are they falling short of? Getting knocked out in wild card weekend? Well, let's see what he says. Uh, Damien, troll overreaction. Cowboys make it to the NFC Championship. Okay. Uh, Mike McCarthy will prevent that from happening. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Uh, okay, so my final overreaction will be, and it kind of goes along with, once again, Jake Browning looking good. I think the Bengals are a wild card team. Everybody counted them out once Joe Burrow went down. To be honest with you, I did as well because I didn't know much about Jake Browning. But you can't 
knock the kind of confidence that he has. And it's probably easy being confident when you have Jamar Chase, Boyd, and Higgins out there to throw it to you. I mean, most backup quarters would be lucky to have a wide receiver group like that. But uh, I do think because of their schedule, they have a good opportunity to win out. Uh, I think I, mean, I think they have like one tough game left in their in their final four. But looking at how bunched up the AFC wildcard picture is, where basically everybody is seven and six, I, I think the Bengals find a way to get through that. And I guess a secondary overreaction. The Bucks are winning the NFC South. Like, like <laughs> let's be real here. I, I don't even I don't even need to break down their their whole structure and everything like that. I just need to see Baker, Baker Mayfield in the playoffs. The, the guy is on ten all the time. He throws a touchdown pass. He's headbutting linemen. Like the guy's a nut. But I don't know. I just find him entertaining. I don't want to see Desmond Ritter in the playoffs. <laughs> I've seen enough of him. I don't want to see Derek Carr in the playoffs, and I'm a Saints fan. Like, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see him kick six field goals in a playoff loss. Come on. Give me Baker Mayfield. They might get blown out, but who knows? He might throw a touchdown pass, grab a random flag, stick it in midfield, and think he's back at Oklahoma. I don't know. He's unpredictable. (laughs) But I'm here for it. Uh, Let's see. Wait, the side. Oh, side just said short of the championship. You know, it's funny because I could still see that because we got to remember with the 49ers, that team is a ticking time bomb full of injury-prone players. So I think if they're fully healthy, yeah, they probably have the best shot to completely, you know, run to the championship. But we got to remember, CMC's injury-prone. Ayuk, you know, misses time. Debo misses a lot of time. Like, that that's a lot of skill position players who miss time. So I think yep. it's still very realistic that they fall short. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And especially the big thing, too, is Brock Purdy, that three-game losing streak where he played pretty poorly, that's when Trent Williams was out. That's when their key players were were out or injured. Like, yeah, he plays good, puts up good numbers when he has all pros all around him. When mm-hmm. those guys go down, he looks doesn't look bad. He just looks more league average. So definitely, they have to stay healthy. If they have one injury, they, they might be done in the second round. So I guess to end the overreaction segment, we'll, we'll answer John's question here. He said, thoughts on Miami, and then it's Miami still haven't beat a winning team. So, I mean, I'll, I'll start with this one. So I think with Miami, look, I picked Miami to win the AFC East before the season because I know that they're a talented group, and, you know, I knew the Bills were going to fall off. I mean, I knew I didn't know my Patriots were going to be this bad, but I knew they weren't going to win the division. And the Jets, look, I'm not picking the Jets. Okay, I don't care who they have for quarterback, <laughs> but they look like your stereotypical regular season team. We don't know how some of these players will react in a playoff setting, where now you're facing the top of your conference, and if they let's just say they don't they don't get the number one seed. And they, they're possibly having to play a, a tough wild card winner or something like that. I don't know. Like if, if like if they went against the Browns or something, you might say that they, they might win that game because the Browns have their own issues with the injuries and everything like that. But I could also see a situation where that Browns defense frustrates Miami. And now you're looking at Tua having to maybe play a little bit outside of himself 
and him kind of shrinking in the moment of the playoffs and them going out early. And the fact that they haven't beat a winning team necessarily all season means they may not be prepared for those tough situations. I mean, they were in a tough situation last night against the Titans, and what did they do? They were up 14 and somehow, with all their talent, found a way to lose it. That That's not a good way to, to go into nope. the playoffs. I mean, nope. we still have four weeks left, but... No, you're yeah. you're you're getting the you're getting momentum the wrong kind of momentum at the worst possible time for the Dolphins. And look, I, I like the Dolphins. They're a team that you punch them in the mouth and they're going to fold. That's my takeaway on Miami. If you you're physical with them, you dominate them in the line of scrimmage. They're not going to have the fight to really come back and win a tough, greedy game like that. And we saw that on Monday with the Titans, where they just they they couldn't put them away. They weren't strong enough to kind of finish them off. And I just feel like in the playoffs. The physical teams generally are the ones that advance and win, and Miami just doesn't really have it. And it's a shame because it'd be great to see them end this uh, playoff losing streak that they're in, but they're probably going to lose in their the first round because the AFC is deep, and they're going to prime match up with a team like Cleveland that's going to out-physical them and win a very ugly 16-13 to 13 type of game. Yeah. And not, not to mention, too, if they get matched up a team with like Cleveland or even on a lesser extent, let's say Pittsburgh, Thankfully they have, thankfully they have home field advantage, but not like not like them. That's a bad example. But let's say they do get a lower seat and have to travel up north where it's colder. How are, how are they going to really handle that? That's kind of what I was getting at with that one. But yeah, if, if they have the travel like different conditions, I'm just not sure how they're going to hold up. So I don't I don't see them winning at all this year. Yeah, I mean, let's just say as a division winner and they face a Denver or kind of like Jake said, Cleveland, teams that want to be physical. I think Miami, even if they win that game, they struggle. And if they don't have a top seed, let's say the following week they face Baltimore. How confident would you be in Miami traveling to Baltimore with that Baltimore defense as we've seen it? Not confident at all. And we know the crowd would be up for it. Like, do we do we Ravens are going to the AFC that? championship game if that's the matchup in the divisional round? Ravens are going to the AFC championship game, and and this pains me to say because my dad's a Dolphins fan, and I want nothing more than the Dolphins to be very successful while we're both adult watching fans. But that they stand no chance against Baltimore in that scenario you just laid out. No chance, yeah. Oh, I, we, we don't need Baltimore to go to the AFC championship game. I, I can't even, I don't want to be there. I'm just saying, we, we can't, but that. But you think Miami would actually win there despite how we feel about Baltimore? Like, no, Baltimore is going to win yeah. that game. Come on. Can you imagine how insane Jordan would be if that team went to the AFC Championship? <laughs> I'd be Can't ready. handle it. I'd knock him down. All right, Damon has another one we could touch on quickly. Question. With Burroughs, what's y'all thought on Burroughs on the picture sideline trying to help his team while Watson – uh, is in the stands chilling and looking like a diva. I mean, I haven't seen that, but if that's true, I mean, I got on Lamar last season when he was hurt and wasn't on the sideline to help uh, Tyler Huntley. So I fully believe that even if you're hurt, you can still contribute by being on the sideline, unless it's like an injury where you don't want to put yourself in a, in a situation where a guy comes running to the sideline, gets tackled out of, out of bounds, and he takes you out further injuring yourself. I can understand if you're not on the sideline for that, but um, no, that just sounds yeah. like Watson doesn't want to be cold. 
Like, that's what it sounds like. Because he's like, man, it's it's really freaking cold down there. I don't want to be a part of that. You just yeah. bundle up, be be there for your team, be a leader. You know, deserve, act like you're the captain, act like you deserve that C that's on your uniform, and, and go down there and, and show up. And that that's the difference between Burrow and Watson. Like Burrow does those things, and Watson just doesn't. All right, so. Uh, before we go on to our picks, as Jake's at the at the at the top of the show, he may not want to see the results, but we, we got to do this. This is, this is the process that we have. But before that, let's go ahead and have another word from the network. Hey, y'all! I'm Keith, and I'm Jory, and tune in to Hoop Dreams and Touchdown Queens every Saturday at 5 p.m. over on Sports Empire Network. And don't forget, also watch us on Roku TV at Northeast Streaming Productions. Uh, so tune in. All right, so here we are, and look, I'm right there with you, Jake. That this is a weird week. Although somehow Brett managed to go four and two with some of the wildest outcomes ever. Go figure. You know he gets the Cowboys, the Bengals, Browns, and the Patriots right. The only ones he got wrong were his Packers and the Dolphins. I mean, we all got the Dolphins wrong. Uh, Jake, you went one and five. You had the uh, Broncos pick, but then <laughs> everything yeah, else is wrong. Everything yeah, else, Steelers, is wrong. Dolphins, Eagles, uh, Texans, and the Packers got you as well. I went two and four, not great, but you know, uh, went with my Patriots, even though I, you know, had my reservations with that. But uh, went with the Rams. I am a Ravens hater, as most people would say, so I had to pick the Rams, and it worked out for me. And then you have the Eagles, Dolphins, uh, Packers, and the Chiefs. So, uh, looking at the overall, Jake, you have fallen under 500. Welcome it's, to the under 500 it's club. It's terrible. I mean, you're only 29-31, so you can bounce back this week. Uh, I am 24-35-1. Yeah. And Brett, in a few weeks, you're 10-7-1. So, way to make us look bad on our, on our own show. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so the good thing is we have another slate of games to go ahead and get uh, some more picks in. Make sure I got the little notepad here to write them down. All right, so those Chargers can't even use Justin Herbert's image anymore. Had to go with Khalil nope. Mack. Not, not, a, not a bad substitution. We'll be traveling to Vegas to face the Raiders. The Raiders are a three-point home favorite. So, Brett, we'll start with you. How do you see this game going? Oh, boy. Um, who's even the quarterback now that a Herbert's out? I forgot to look that Easton up. Easton Stick, I believe. Uh, I, I'll take the Raiders covering. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that's all I need to hear. I, I don't care how bad the Raiders are this year. They're, they should easily beat Easton Stick by much more than three points. So I'll, I'll take the Raiders on this one. Okay. Uh, Jake, are you are you agreeing, or are you, you putting some faith in no, Easton Stick? I'm I'm gonna agree with this, and this is maybe you know last week I was poo pooing all over the Thursday night game when it was the Steelers and the Patriots. Turned out mm-hmm. to be an actually not half a bad game to watch. Maybe mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm gonna reserve, you know, just kind of dump it all over this game because this this game looks terrible just on the outset. But give me the Raiders. They still have something technically to fight for. The Chargers are done. They're not a strong team mentally. They don't have a good coach. They have a quarterback who's 
Easton Stick. Like, who is this guy? Uh, Raiders should be able to win. Although, like, do we trust the Raiders to put up points? I mean, maybe their defense will do it for them. That maybe that's what it is. But no, give me the Raiders plus three because. But this this could be an all time stinker of a Thursday night game. Okay, I agree. I'm going with the Raiders here. I mean. I think the Raiders' defense alone is enough to win this game. Easton Stick, I guess because he'll have – I mean, maybe if the game was Sunday, you might feel a little bit better about him because he'll have a full week of preparation. But now you got to get him up to speed in a short week and uh, have him go against the Raiders' defense that's played really well under Antonio Pierce. So, yeah, give me the Raiders. John's taking the Raiders Raiders only gave up three points. Yeah. Raiders only gave up three points. John's John's taking the Chargers. Okay. Next game up. Uh, those Ravens and Lamar Jackson will travel to Jacksonville to face Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars. But the Jaguars are a three-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Uh, obviously, the Ravens are the better team. Standings-wise, the, Char- um, the Jaguars have slipped a little bit here. Uh, past couple of weeks. So can the Jags pull off the upset at home against the Ravens team that, you know, might be looking at the number one seed in the, in the AFC playoffs. Uh, so Jake, how do you see this one going? Man, I, I have a hard time betting Baltimore because they just can't put teams away. We saw that last week with the Rams. Like they just, they, they should, they, they were the better team. They should have won by a lot more. They shouldn't have had to go to overtime to get that win. Uh, three and a half is just a little, little scary. Mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence, you know, he did come back from that injury. Didn't look great. They lost to Cleveland. Oh man, my I'm split here because like my my head's telling me, oh Baltimore, Baltimore is the right pick here. They should win. They should win by like at least seven points. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I've been listening to my head way too much, and I'm below five hundred. Give me Jacksonville to cover. I don't think they're gonna mm-hmm. win. But they, they're going to cover. That's how I think it's going to go. All right, Brett, are you are you rolling with the Jags, or do you think the Ravens get it done on the road? I, I think I got to go Baltimore. Like you said, Lawrence didn't look great. He's still dealing with the high ankle sprain. That pass rush is going to bother him. And, but except this time, you probably won't have the mobility to really get away from him all too much. So. I'll give them enough respect to say that um, they'll keep it somewhat close, but I will take Baltimore to cover by a touchdown. All right. Oh, I mean, the the tough part about this game is kind of what you you both have alluded to. When you look at the Ravens, yes, they're a really good defense, but good quarterbacks can make plays against them because they their secondary is very aggressive, so you can sometimes get a, a wide receiver behind them and throw over the top. But the fact of Lawrence with the high ankle high ankle sprain means his mobility will probably be limited. I do worry about that with a Ravens team that has a lot of speed in their front seven. But the three and a half, I feel like, it is is a trick because I've fallen victim to the point point five so many times this season. I could see Jacksonville hanging in, and maybe it's a field goal game for the Ravens. Like a Tucker field goal, Jacksonville has the ball trying to drive. I think I think I might be with you, Jake. I might take the Jags in the three and a half here. 
Baltimore can't put teams away. Despite being a running team with a great defense, yeah. they get the lead. The teams find ways to get back in with them. I don't feel great about this pick. but I don't either. I have a hard time trusting Baltimore. All right. Let's go to the next one. All right, so we have the Eagles coming off a couple of tough weeks, losing to the Niners, losing to the Cowboys, and going up against the Seahawks team that, look, they, they need wins right now. If they're going to be a wild card team, this is a game that, as tough as it may be, they probably will need to win. Luckily, it's at home. You got the 12th man. You got all that. I think Geno Smith is going to play. I know some questions about him. Maybe later in the week we'll find out whether he can go or not. But uh, how do we see this one going? Do the Eagles' struggles continue, or do they get right against the Seahawks team that might be reeling a little bit? Let's go with Brett. I'll take the Eagles. I think they bounce back, but I'll take the Seahawks to cover. I think this will be. Okay. A, I'll take a fun. This will be a fun back and forth game because I, I think the Seahawks. Um, I think both teams will be looking to bounce back. It'll be ultra competitive. The Eagles have looked rough, but uh, I think they're going to bounce back and they're going to pull it out. Our key agrees with you. All right, Jake, what do you think? This is tough. If I knew more about Geno Smith, I'd feel a little more comfortable because I have zero faith in Drew Locke. But, you know, he did hang in there at the Niners for a little bit. They didn't look terrible. Uh, and the Philadelphia Eagles defense is is pretty rough. They're, they're looking pretty scary as far as their overall stats go. I've bet on the Eagles a bunch to cover and to win, and they've I don't think they've ever served me right. So I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover. I think Philly's probably, like like you said, they're probably going to win. They're probably going to find a way to, to ink out a win. It's probably going to be a one-point game. They can't lose three straight games and then also be on the, you know, where they lost, almost lost to the Bills and the Chiefs. Like you, you can't go in the playoffs that way. They know they they're at risk of losing uh, home field advantage because if they lose this game and Dallas wins out, they they're gonna not have not even win the division. So I do think they're gonna make this competitive. But I'm I'm just going nuts. My my record was so bad the past couple of weeks. I'm just kind of defying my logic. Give me Seattle to cover, and uh, it'll be a better game than we think it's gonna be. I'll put it that way. Once again, I'm torn on this one. Because, uh, look, I, I I, find it hard to believe that the Eagles are necessarily as bad as we've seen the past couple of weeks. I know they have their issues, but I feel like at a certain point, something clicks, you know, maybe the scheme or something changes, and they have a comfortable win. But I, I don't know if I can count out Seattle. Seattle has a you know decent running game. I think it might be tough to run on the Eagles, but if the Seahawks can kind of play the time of possession game, they'll have a better chance at this. Uh, the Eagles' defense over the middle has been a little rough. You know, the Seahawks can attack that with guys like, was it a Fant is their tight end? Lockett likes going over the middle as well. I mean, this game could turn out to be very entertaining. I think for the sake of the record, I'm going to go against you all and go Eagles and the three and a half. Look, at this point, I got to try something. 
but I would not be shocked if the Seahawks keep it close. But I, I think I think the Eagles figure some things out because of all the noise surrounding their team, and they they look much better this week. So give me the Eagles minus three and a half on the road over the Seahawks. So Key said Swiss cheese. Eagles by a field goal from Damian, and I'll take my Seahawks by four as a last hurrah. Okay. All right, so now that those games are out of the way, we have the rest of, well, it's supposed to be week 14. Typo there, my bad, but the games are correct. No teams are on a bye. That's all over with, thankfully. Uh, Some interesting matchups this week. We have uh, Vikings-Bengals. So if you think the Vikings are a playoff team, this could be a game that they, they might need to win to help those chances out. You have the Steelers coming off that bad loss going against a Colts team that have playoff aspirations as well. You got the Broncos going to Detroit. Interesting matchup there. The Bucks, Packers. Okay, interesting. Uh, Giants-Saints. I guess if you like Tommy Cutlets and his Mafioso <laughs> agent, maybe you're interested in that one. I don't know. Then Falcons Panthers. Okay, if you're watching that game, you are a diehard. Um, Texans Titans. You know, can CJ Stroud I guess bounce back and, and get that team back on the winning side of the ledger or? Can Tennessee build off of what they did last night and, and get another another win? Jets, Dolphins. Mm-hmm. If you want to pick the Jets, sure. I mean, hey, uh, the Jets put up a bunch of points on Sunday. Eh, it's the Jets. It will come crashing down this week, and Jets fans will be miserable. Uh, crashing Browns. down to get one good week and then it crashes down for yeah, it. <laughs> that's all they're good for. One one good week every once in a while. Uh, then you get the Bears at the Browns. Justin Fields all of a sudden it has the Bears playing much better. You got Chiefs Patriots. I guess before this season that probably looked more enticing. Commanders Rams. Okay. Uh, Niners Cardinals. And then uh, I guess maybe the game of the week. Cowboys Bills. I don't that know. should be a good game. That should be a really good game. Um, let's see. Okay, so Anthony. Well, Anthony did bring this up. This was some news from today. The Ravens uh, signed Malik Cunningham off the Patriots practice squad to reunite him with Lamar Jackson. I'm sure Ravens fans will tell you that Malik Cunningham is the second coming of Lamar Jackson, and I would say he was on the practice squad for a reason. Just saying. But, but no, I'm, I'm rooting for Malik Cunningham. I wonder if they'll use him as a quarterback or I know the Patriots tried him at wide receiver. He did struggle a little bit there, but uh, we'll see what the Ravens do. John said, wow, the Dolphins by eight and a half. No way. Jets cover that. Uh, His lock is Green Bay. And oh, here we go. Damien with his picks. Lock. Dolphins over the Jets. Upset. Panthers over the Falcons. And John said, upset. Give me the Giants. I could see that happening. Totally he's see that on, happening. He's on the Tommy Cutlet train. All right. Um, let's go. Oh, Brett, I mean, why don't you go ahead and start off and show us how to make these picks since you went four and two. 
I say I'm just like I'm trying to like analyze all the games and uh, take it in. All right, for my upset, mm-hmm. give me. I don't think it'll be much of an upset, but considering there's two and a half point favorites, give me Cowboys over the Bills. I think the okay. Cowboys are just going to win that game outright. And then for my lock. I'll go bull. This might this is a technically another upset, but for my lock, I'll go uh, Broncos over the Lions. Okay. So Broncos. The Broncos are plus four and a half. All right. Wait, did you do two upsets? He did. Bold. Okay. I like it. All right, Jake. All right. So yeah. my, I, I share a pick with, with you there. I, my upset is the Broncos over the Lions. That's one I've been salivating over since I've seen this. Four and a half points. You can, this If the Lions win, it's going to be like a three-point game. You get an extra point and a half. Come on. Like, Lions are reeling. They're in all sorts of trouble. The Broncos, are they have something to play for. They could see that division go in there. I think they're going to win that game. And then for my lock... Hmm. Give me, give me the Colts beating the Steelers by two and a half. I think the Steelers, they're they're, you know, Mitch is still going out there. I think the Colts are going to find a way to play a lot better this upcoming week. And I, I give me that one. Give me that for my for my lock. John, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll, I'll leave you in suspense for a couple of seconds here. Um, I mean, the Colts one's interesting. I mean, I, th- I think it's kind of funny. If the Steelers get into a fourth and two situation again, are they going to call the same play? Just a 40-yard bomb <laughs> down the left sideline? I mean, the, the the way that, you know, the internet had fun with that was hilarious. I, I laughed at so many of those. They had, like, the Michael Scott. If you've seen The Office, the warehouse episode where they're playing basketball, and he's just throwing it way past the rim and is mad at himself that he's not making him like, like he's a hall of famer or something. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, that's an interesting one. Cause if the Steelers are really reeling, the Colts will be in a good situation to pick that one up. All right, John. So you're telling me to go with the Pats. I mean, come on nine and a half in new Chief, England. against the Chiefs, Chiefs never cover though. Chiefs never cover the spread. And you are absolutely right. I'm taking that one. I I said last week, everybody's going to look at this game and be like, oh, Chiefs win it easily. The winning's going to make it tough on them. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in Bailey Zappi and what he's doing. He's got a confidence that Mac Jones lost this season for whatever reason. You know, Bailey Zappi's dropping back. He's stepping up confidently in the pocket. He's taking off when he can. I mean, the first half against the Steelers was really good. Second half, he didn't do as well, but he didn't lose the game. So you got to give him credit for that. I think the defense alone will frustrate Mahomes because Belichick's going to go into that and say, bracket Travis Kelsey and force Mahomes to throw to Tony or uh, Rice, who I do like, but he's going to try to force them to go to the weapons outside of Kelsey. And I think New England keeps it close. Would I be surprised if New England knocks them off? No, I would not. Nope, same here. I, I, 
but I'll just take the Patriots to cover the nine and a half. I think that's way too wide of a spread. Uh, my lock, hmm, there's a couple of places I could go with this one. I will take, huh, um, I mean, Niners 13 and a half, I, I just hate the 13 and a half. That's a I don't lot care. Of I don't points. care if it's the Cardinals, but I just hate. It's a lot of points, scores. man. Yeah, that's a lot. Hmm. Party wants to go with the Bengals in the three and a half over the Vikings. Because technically, hey, if I if I pick the Bengals to be a playoff team, I think this is a game they have to win. Your reaction is to stand true, man. You got that's a pick. That's I, a game I, that has to I go. I have to go with that one, even though, like you said. What Flores is doing with that Vikings defense, I think will make it tough on Browning for him being, you know, still new at being a starting quarterback. But luckily, I think he has a couple of games under his belt. I think he'll be fine. Like, if this was his first matchup after a Burrow injury as the Vikings, I would never pick this game. But, yeah, I'll take the Bengals minus three and a half over the Vikings. Um, So, Anthony put... Only two game spreads I trust are Tampa Bay versus Green Bay and Pittsburgh versus the Colts. And nobody trusts the Giants minus six versus the Saints. Yeah, yeah. if you gamble that game, you should call the helpline. Like, no joke, because just stay away from that game. That that you're just just stay away. There's no yeah. logic behind that game. There's gonna be no logic behind that game whatsoever. Right. Yeah, those are two teams you you can't predict what they're gonna do. Nope. Like that could turn into a 30-10 game from the Giants, and you would be like, where where is this offense coming from? Or the Saints completely frustrate uh, DeVito, and it's like a 13-10 type of game. Like, who knows? So, yeah, that's a game I would definitely stay away from. Uh, I mean, none of us went Texans-Titans. So, Are we certain that that CJ Stroud is out? Of th- All I know is he's still in concussion protocol. I haven't yeah, heard anything else. And that, yeah. And and with their, all the other injuries that the Texans have had for the, their talented roster, like I just I'm staying away. It sucks. It's because it was a great story, and it just feels like they're just getting hurt week after week after week. And I'm just mm-hmm. I can't gamble them. I, also, I, I that was my uh, my lock last week and against the Jets, and that blew up in my face real bad. So. I, I can't gamble on the rest. I can't bet on the rest of the go. I don't think that was so bad. Yeah. So bad. Well, I mean, that, that, Come on. That, well, that's kind of a result that, you know, could potentially happen with a young team. They might've been feeling themselves a little bit. Saw the jets on the schedule. It was like, Oh, this is an easy one. And Zach Wilson had a really good game. That defense is tough. And it just snowballed and, and it just got away from them. Uh, okay. I mean, I think it's technically all that we have, unless there's like any other thoughts on some of these games while we have a few minutes here. Well, I well, Brett, let's let's do this. That uh, Bucks Packers game. What are you looking for in that matchup with your team? What am I looking for? Just execute. I need the I need the young players on the field to just execute. But I think more so, what I'm looking for this week is. Partially, uh, besides executions, is I need the coaches to call a, actually a good game plan. 
I'm sorry, Matt LaFleur, but if you call six like jet sweep runs with Jaden Reed, yeah, they're gonna see the seventh one coming. <laughs> Yo, Barry, guess what? There's a minute 30 left. There's they have two timeouts. Why are we in prevent defense? Great. Now we've allowed DeVito to complete three passes. Now he's in a rhythm and now he's feeling himself. So when we finally do bring the defense up, he's confident. He's ready to step into it and let it rip. Mm-hmm. So I Matt LaFleur himself said that we failed in all three phases of the game. And I do agree with that a hundred percent, but I also Besides that, I think the coaching let us down big time. So I just wanted to see just better execution this week, but I also need to see better coaching this week as well. Yep, that's that's the best way to put it because like one of my best friends is a Packers fan, and even he like in all this homerism is like we didn't deserve to win that game was his was his takeaway because you should like when Saquon fumbled the ball that should have been and had and then that huge fifty yard return like mm-hmm. that should have done it that should have been enough for them to to take care of the game and uh but look they they're playing baker mayfield who if they get him on the wrong night is an easy target to make some mistakes and mm-hmm. maybe they can to write it and, and fix it who knows baker mayfield um so i guess same thing with you jake do we just talk about you know the giants the saints giants like what, what are you looking for in that matchup can, can i get some points in the in the red zone like that's all I want. Like Derek Carr between, you know, from the 20 to the 20 is actually fairly decent. But can we just get to the red zone and score? Can we get pressure on the quarterback and, and disrupt his game and just have a competent offensive game plan? Like Pete Carmichael drives me crazy. I can't stand him. But let's just let's get some opportunities. Let's use Taysom Hill way more. You know, hey, just just you start him. For all we know, I, I was surprised Derek Carr even started last week. If I'm being honest, he's had two concussions in like the period of like I don't know six weeks at the at the most. Like he should have just been done for his own health. But just score, find ways to score in the end zone. I don't care if it's with Taysom. I don't care if it's with Derek Carr. Just find ways so we can score in the end zone, so that next season the Saints can have some kind of offensive game plan to do in the red zone because it's been. It's been terrible. The Falcons game where they only they had 15 points, all field goals, embarrassing, especially to the Falcons, especially mm-hmm. the ball teams to them is just embarrassing. So, yeah, just score, score in the end zone. Even if you only make it twice, just don't go for field goals. Just go for points. Go for touchdowns. Be efficient. Um, well, what are I, you looking I, for with I, the Pats, I, I man? That's how I keep it up. Um, well, Oddly enough, we, we saw some life from Juju last week against the Steelers. He gets another former team this week against the Chiefs. So if he could continue the trend and, and Zappi can can find him, like we saw Juju catch a deep ball. Okay, Let, let's see some more of that, kind of like John says. like to see from uh, Zappi some deep throws. Yeah, I mean, the touchdown pass was – well, actually, both of them, the Hunter Henry, were really great throws. Uh, might be a little bit dangerous on the second one, but he fit into a tight window. And that's where I'm saying that that's the kind of confidence that I don't know Mac Jones had this year. Mac Jones probably would have hesitated on a couple of those. Uh, he may have underthrown the one in the back of the end zone. And the second one, he might have been a little late and it gets picked off. Uh, Anthony says, is Stevenson playing? I hope so. You know, Zeke did well against the Steelers, but you don't want to rely on Zeke for, like, 29, 30 touches week in and week out, even though he looked good. 
Like Zeke still shows he has something in the tank, but uh, they're a better team if Stevenson and Zeke are are available. So I'm yeah I'm looking for consistency from Zappy with with the offense really playing well with him, and then defensively more of the same. You know, confusing quarterbacks. Although Mahomes has been there, done that, but confusing short receivers. Yeah, that's sure. And don't let Kelsey beat you. Like that's the simple thing against Kansas City. Don't let Kelsey get two touchdowns on you. Limit his after the catch ability. So if he catches it, tackle him right away. And I think they'll be fine. And Damian, I gotta answer this. Wait, Mac Jones lost his confidence. That's funny because the way he's been playing since he got to the league, couldn't tell he ever had any. His rookie year, he was a he very confident player. He had it. Yeah, that was the player that the Patriots assumed they were going to get. Now, the second year, look, Matt Patricia calling your plays, I don't know how confident you would be. So I get it if that was an issue. But this season, it was supposed to be he's getting Bill O'Brien, who's going to bring some of the Alabama stuff to, to the playbook, and he was supposed to look better. But it just didn't happen. And John's very much correct, and it could be a Bill O'Brien issue. I also think that the Bill O'Brien hire was to help Mac Jones. I don't think O'Brien's here next year. For all we know, Josh McDaniels might be coming back through the door. (laughs) I mean, maybe that depends on Belichick. If Belichick's gone and he were to go to another team, maybe McDaniels follows him. I don't know. I don't know how Jerron Mayo feels about Josh McDaniels. But maybe they're, they're cool and that's who Mayo picks for his offensive coordinator. But yeah, I don't. I doubt O'Brien's back after this season. But yeah, Mac had confidence. It's just last year you could excuse him not playing well. This year, it seems like it's just more about him and the situation he's in just not being right for him. That's and I feel bad because I I am a Mac guy. It's just he needs a change of scenery. I don't know where that is, but he'll get an opportunity somewhere. Uh, Sajan also giving us some NBA scores. The Mavs beating the Lakers at the half. Oh, no. I guess the in-season tournament took so much out of them. A lot of points in those games. Jeez. I know. Cavs up by one on the Celtics. I feel like the Cavs are always an issue for the Celtics because of their length. But we'll see how the second half goes. And Nuggets struggling with the Bulls. Okay. That's, that's basically a win for the Bulls if they're still in the game there. And I would rather you do not believe this, John. There's no way you believe this. <laughs> there is not a chance you'd rather have Josh Rosen. No, I'm not. No, I'm not even. Look, I'm not that. a Mac Jones guy, but I'd rather I, even I'd rather have like I, there's a million quarterbacks I'd rather have before I take a Josh <laughs> Rosen. Come on, that's just you're just trying to hurt his feelings. Come on, man. Jeez. Crazy question. Shouldn't the Pats just forfeit the next four games? I mean, they're already eliminated. So what are they playing for? Let them rest till next season. I'll tell you what they're playing for. They're playing for Bill. Yep. Belichick is not going to let them tank. He's not wired that way. And a lot of these guys in this team don't want to necessarily do that either. Because, look, even if they're not in New England next season, these next four games are an addition for another team who may look at them and and want to sign them in the offseason. So that's why they're not just going to forfeit. 
Plus, yeah, the belt is not there. He's not no. going to care about the draft pick anyway. <laughs> this isn't like the NBA where you rest your players and you play for position. NBA, NFL players are different. They're wired. They don't want to lose, even if it, even if it's going to cost them in the end. Mm-hmm. They want to win. They want to play hard. And again, like you said, Kyle, they know that teams are looking for free agency for trades, and and they're not going to do it. Teams just in the NFL just don't tank and. Yeah, they know what's at stake. They know that their careers are at stake if they just phone it in. Right. Say so with with the lack of talent on New England, sorry, Kyle, but they don't really need to phone it in the tank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yet they still beat the Steelers. Go figure. I'm um, just saying. And there's a lot of other games that they were in and could have won if the quarterback play was better. So, yep. uh, it, I don't it, it, it's gonna be a weird offseason. So I don't even think that's funny because I don't even think the Patriots are like they have the defense in place, they have a nice system. If they could just figure out some stuff on offense, they could be like a legit team next year, like a wild card team at least. But that's all yep. gonna start with however they attack the draft. Yep. Jaden Daniels, that's that's the guy I would want. That's who you want if you had the first overall pick, you want him over Caleb and Drake May. I'm just saying, based on how it's kind of going. You think they're going to get okay? Yeah, I, I like what I've seen from him. I think he'd be a great, great fit wherever he goes. I think he's going to be awesome next year. Yeah, uh, let's see. It don't matter. Pat's pick number two right now. So if they went out, they could drop to fifth in the order. I mean, if they went out, they'd be like seven and ten. I doubt that'd be fifth, but I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, if they had the number two pick. I wonder what they would do up there. Once again, that might depend on the coach. So you, or, you, yeah, like if Belichick's still there, he's probably going to trade down from two, get a bunch of picks later, and take somebody like around 10 or something. If it's Gerard Mayo is his first draft, he, he'll probably stay at two and take maybe the quarterback that doesn't get taken at one. I don't know. I say I even think though I think even think that Bill knows he needs a QB. Even if he stays another year, he he's got to know at this point he needs a QB. So I think what the Patriots do it depends on who the next head coach is and who they bring in as the offensive coordinator. What kind of quarterback is going to fit the new system, or is it going to be Bill's system? So I think this all is going to be starting with whatever happens with Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damien Damien's hammering the point. Bill is leaving, so it wouldn't make sense to play for him. I guess yes and no. It's just knowing the players that are on the team. Like, defensively, you got a guy like Jabril, Jabril Peppers. You had Judon. Those aren't guys who are going to quit on a season. Peppers has become like a defensive leader, and I love that. You know, offensively, those are just guys who are just trying to figure it out. Because like we said, some of them might be back next year. A lot of them may not. So they're playing for their next team. So there's always a reason to play for something, whether it's draft position or whatever. There's there's still a reason to go out. And plus, it's football. If you go out there and try to half speed it, that's where you're you going to get hurt. hurt. Yep. Yeah. Well, yep. And not to mention too, how's that going to look for you on your next contract if another team's watching your film? Like, look at this dude running half speed in week sixteen. He quit on the team. Yeah. Is he going to quit on us? So that's going to affect your bottom line. Exactly. Yep. You want it's different than the NBA, like, man. Like George Pickens, where or Johnson, one of them, where they called a running play and they literally just stood there. 
Yep. You don't want that tape out. Bad look. Uh, Sajin, yes, they would. They're still playing for a job. Absolutely. So, uh, but yeah, look, we're now hour 55 in. I think it's a good point to end it. That's all we have. But I guess before we have our final thoughts, we'll go with one last word from the network. And this is Chris from Coffee and Sports, the morning show over on Sports Empire Network. And this is Mo. Catch us on Northeast Streaming Sports Production, Monday through Thursday, 9 to 10 a.m. We hope to see you there. All right. I mean, look, that's that's the morning show. If you are up around 9 Eastern, make sure you tune in. It's a great way to get your day started. They'll catch you up on stuff that happened the night before. They'll get you going for the stuff that's happening that day. They talk NFL. They talk NBA. They have on guests like uh, JG from Bases Loaded. Talk baseball in the morning show. You know, you might see Brett on there. See Jory, Gene. I've popped up on there a couple times. So you never know who might be guest appearing on there. So make sure you check them out early in the morning to get your day started over on Coffee and Sports Morning Show. Uh, Sajin said, thanks, guys. Appreciate you, Sajin, as well as everybody else who's in the chat. You know, John, Damien, Gene, uh, Key, Jory, uh, Anthony. So many other names. Appreciate all of you. You know we appreciate the interaction. And we'll see you here next week. Next Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Make sure you're back for more of the big three. Myself, uh, Brett, and Jake. Enjoy the rest of your night. We're out of here.